What's up, everybody, and welcome into the podcast. Today, we're joined by It's Your Boy Joey, It's Your Boy Bo, and it's me, It's Your Boy Brady. And we're doing Secret Invasion. Finally, the time has come. And by the time we're recording this, the show has come out. I don't think any of us have watched it yet, so we are uh, going into this comics uh, reading fresh and ready to go. How are you guys guys doing this week? I am extremely exhausted from reading not only the eight Secret Invasion issues that the two of you read, but the other 90 tie-ins to this uh, story, and boys, he loves you. He definitely does love us. What about you, Bo? How are you feeling? Well, first of all, somebody give Joey a gold star for that extra credit assignment that he completely took upon himself and ruined his last two weeks. But I'm I'm thoroughly impressed. Uh, I'm doing good. I'm I'm pretty well rested. I've got some some coffee here. I just munched down some crunchy toast. Ready to talk about comics. Well, let's go ahead and and, and get into it. Then I do want to give Joey the shout out. Um, for those of you that don't know, there are a lot of tie-in episodes to Secret Invasion that kind of help push the story along. They are not required, but they definitely do enhance it. Me saying definitely do, not knowing and not reading them. But I look forward to uh, to hearing about them probably in either this episode or an upcoming one. So, um, so we are uh, excited to hear it. So let's uh, let's get going into uh, Secret Invasion. Well, I have, I have one brief question before we learn anything about the tie-ins. J- Joey, two questions. Out of 100, how, like, what percentage do you feel like truly was worth reading, like tying into the story? And then would you do it again? So let me answer your second question first. I absolutely would do this again. Um, I love these tie-in issues because I feel like, you know, have you guys seen the show Breaking Bad? Yeah. Honestly, no. Wow, surprising, Bo. You I gotta... have not. Well, hey, I have not no seen spoilers, the whole no thing. No spoilers. So... Don't tell me. I, I, I'll, oh. I'll get around to it someday. <laughs> no, no worries. I, I wasn't going to spoil anything. I was just. I will gonna... also not get around to it someday. <laughs> I feel like you guys experienced a two-hour movie of Breaking Bad, whereas I got the entire series. Um, it's just. You know, there's so much going on that is just you might get referenced in like two panels in these, you know, the main title of this run. But these tie in issues just flesh out all of that extra detail. And, you know, it it does a wonderful job of just reminding you how big this Marvel Universe actually is and how much is, is going on at any one time. Uh, but no, in terms of like essential reading, there were definitely some some fluff pieces in there, and I would say more than half of of these issues were actual like good plot additions to to the story and, and added to my experience. I, I would say maybe thirty thirty percent of the comics were skippable. Yeah, not a bad percentage. I feel like 30% of the mainline comics are, are, as far as like out of this eight issue, probably 30% of that could have been skippable for some of the past events we've read. But I feel like this one was pretty, 
consolidated and it definitely but you can tell there's so much going on in the outside world like there was that big fight scene i say big fight scene there was like seven of them <laughs> i have so many cool screenshots just full spread pages on, on my phone right now but one there was there's was definitely a little howard the duck in the bottom left hand corner and i'm hoping you at least got one howard the duck tie-in i will say i was extremely disappointed that i got zero howard the oh. duck. no howard the duck um however the i'm so glad that brady did the 50 states initiative bonus episode last week because the 50 states initiative played a huge role in a lot of these tie-ins and i got to see some of our favorite uh, superhero teams that we discussed last week I, unfortunately not ohio and, and no howard D the duck though <laughs> Yeah, obviously that wasn't a front runner for people other than us with our bias, but let's let's hop into it, and then hopefully we can help you differentiate what that main line was at the eight issues compared to the rest of the ninety two that you read. But uh, <laughs> excited to learn more about it through through the eyes of you. And and let's let's do this. Uh, as always, now is the time we're going to talk about comic books. So if you have not read and you would like to read, now is the time to pause the podcast. Go read ep or episodes slash issues, depending on what you wish. One through eight of Secret Invasion, two thousand eight, and then swing back and press play, and let's discuss it. Yes, and if you're playing along with the Comics Over Coffee drinking game, uh, I believe <laughs> that is a uh, a shot all around because Brady once can confuse the words issues and episodes as we all do. To be fair, te technically, I included both of them for it so that I'm not, you know, offending anybody who is staunchly one way or the other. That's fair. Um, and, and I am going to do my very best to keep this plot summary and my discussion today limited to these eight issues because I do plan to go deeper into some of these tie-ins in a, uh, a potential future episode of the podcast. Um, but I do apologize if I, if I leak some spoilers of things that we're not a uh, a part of this eight issue run, but yes, let's get into the the plot summary here real quick. Um, so we're going to break this up as we have in the past couple of weeks as well. So I'll just do, do roughly a you know the first quarter of this uh, this run here. So, like Brady said, pause now. Go read Secret Invasion one through eight, and we're getting into it. Years ago, the Skrull homeworld was all but destroyed, leaving the race of aliens on the brink of destruction. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to present day on Earth, Tony Stark reveals his, to his fellow Illuminati members that the Skrulls have possibly been infiltrating human society for years. His evidence for this? The dead body of Elektra. Um, the Avengers had gone to take on the, the group The Hand, which was led by Elektra, and when they killed Elektra her body transformed back into its original scrawl form. Um, no one knows how long Elektra had been you know, being impersonated. No one knows who else might be a secret scrawl. But while examining the body, uh, you know, an alien ship crash lands on Earth in the area known as the Savage Land. Believing that Tony Stark could possibly be a scrawl, the our underground group of new Avengers led by Luke Cage they steal Tony's Quinjet from the uh, the Mighty Avengers, and they want to be the first on the scene in the Savage Land to investigate this Skrull ship. So everyone, both groups of Avengers, land in the Savage Land, and they square off to start fighting against each other as more Skrull sleeper agents begin to reveal themselves around the world. We get Dum Dum Dugan at S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters, 
and Avengers Butler Jarvis acting to destroy S.H.I.E.L.D.'s space station and plant an alien virus into all of Stark tech that is being used basically for everything these days. Um, so this causes a massive system failure across the globe, including Tony's Iron Man suit. And then meanwhile, Thunderbolt Mountain is attacked by Captain Marvel, who is also a scroll. Sue Storm transports the Baxter building, including Ben, Johnny, and Sue's own kids, into the negative zone. Sue Storm, apparently also a scroll. Um, and then while examining Elektra's scroll body, Hank Pym reveals himself to also be a scroll. Uh, you know, they're, they're everywhere. And he takes Reed Richards out of commission and, and takes him prisoner. And these scrolls are revealing themselves across the board. And as this happens, the ship in the Savage Land opens up to reveal what appears to be older versions of our, our favorite heroes claiming to have been kidnapped by the scrolls and held in captivity for years. So our heroes just start to you know, clash in the Savage Land. No one knows who to trust. Clint Barton, who is now Ronan, um, after killing his scroll Hawkeye version of himself, you know, reunites with what seems to be his long-lost wife. And while this fight is going on, the citizens in New York witness the madness at the Fantastic Four headquarters right before a huge wave of Skrull warriors invade the city. And the invasion begins. So we'll pause there. And boys, the invasion has begun. Great recap. Man, dude, already an instant turn from what we read the week prior with World or Hulk, but there's just so much going on here. You gave us like a fourth of the summary of just an eight issue. And honestly, that could have been <laughs> the entire event right there. Cause so much has already happened. So many different character tie-ins um, of those scroll reveals. Cause I feel like that was probably the biggest part of this, this first quarter leading in, which one was the most surprising to you or which had the biggest effect on you? I think the biggest effect on me is yet to come, so I don't know if I want to talk about it. But, <laughs> but I think that uh, you've mentioned something, Bo, um, that I really, really like when going through the recap and when actually like reading it came to mind, which is like they could have cut this into like quarters, and the amount of content and the amount of things happening, it it just it was enough by itself. And I think it goes back into Joey's tie-in of, you know, it, I, the thing we got was the movie, but they could have made it into a, a series, and they could have, and they did, um, that you could have enjoyed for, like, a lot, a lot more and a lot longer. But, yeah, I think uh, my, I, I'll, I'll hold on saying my favorite uh, scroll reveal, because I think we're going to have that in the later later recap. Yeah, and I mean, of these ones that we got early, very early on, I mean, Dum Dum Dugan, Jarvis, Hank, I, I think nothing is quite as shocking as Yellow Jacket and Hank Pym are, are a member of the Illuminati, a member of the Avengers, uh, working with you know Reed Richards and Tony Stark very closely the last few years. Our guy Hank Pym is, is a scroll, and who knows how long that's been going on. They had the same reaction there. And I think the cool thing is it kind of shows in this, especially that scene where the older versions come out, how long the scroll presence and how long they've been kind of planning and plotting this has really been in effect. Because, I mean, you see Luke Cage and his sweet Christmas with his tiara on 
and like the original Hawkeye uniform, OG Spider-Man with his web wings. Like these, these are dated. Like the point where these bodies were studied and captured by the scrolls back in the original comics is showing that their presence has been along for a very, very long time now. And I think Marvel's doing some really cool things here where basically this is coming from right after a pretty dark time in comics, right before this Bendis run with the Avengers and these events with House of M, um, Civil War, and now Secret Invasion. They're really just kind of trying to prove themselves that they're still relevant, that they can do this darker gritty, that they can kind of reveal these surprises and do different things. And basically their explanation of, oh, you think uh, Iron Man's been acting kind of weird these these last couple of years? Or, hmm, maybe something's not really going right with uh, that dynamic between Hank Pym and, and Janet Van Dyne. Well, well, this is why. And there's been this scroll presence over X amount of years. And really, there's that huge question mark on it that as you're reading through this the first time, second time, even the third time, you're kind of questioning, well, how, how long has this really been affected? And who is this girl? And I, oh, I loved it. Yeah, definitely very week by week episode kind of like as opposed to a movie where you're just really deep divulged into this and and just constantly kind of on the edge after each issue i'm gonna say the right one the first time <laughs> well i'll say my little my little nerd tidbit is i, I mean i know i've mentioned it multiple times on the pod, podcast but my my marvel knowledge mostly comes from the movies and from video games so um i knew who uh shanna and uh bizarre were uh and I was pumped to see their uh, th- them come in. And even if it was for like, a, oh, they're in the Savage Land. You know you're going to see them. All right, the big reveal happens. We still haven't seen. Oh, there they are. And then they go, <laughs> we'll, t- we'll take care of it from here. You guys go. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. And they're gone just as quick. Yeah. little nerd oh, okay. for you guys. On the location of Earth in this 616 Earth, where is Savage Land? Did they oh. say it was in like v- Venezuela or something? I believe it is in Antarctica. Oh, is it Antarctica? I know I'm that you without the answer in my pocket. Really hoping that one of you just knew, but I'm okay with either of those answers. Joey's think... a little more confident, so I'm going to say that. <laughs> it's probably that. I when I was reading the this comic specifically, I think um, they said Sue Sue Storm was because Sue was with them when they went to the Savage Land. And I think it was when they flashback to the kids, they asked where where's mommy? And they said, Oh, she's in a on a trip to Venezuela or on a trip to Ecuador or something in South America. And I was like, Oh, that must be where the Savage Land is. But clearly so, that was a lie. Uh, apparently they were just lying to their kids out here, so great, great start to, to all of this. Um honestly, yeah, and I just I have that huge screenshot of the battle. I, I think the comparison between where Marvel is now compared to where it used to be, even just with the character designs, is so cool. Because I have like a love for the old school designs, even though I never that wasn't my Marvel growing up. But I think that like when you think of like my mind's eye of some of these comic book characters, it really captured it coming off that ship. So that was kind of a cool team to assemble there. And I don't know if they I I don't know if they were really good at playing the part or part of them really just kind of like we saw with Marvel, like really thought that they were the ones. So I think that's a really cool dynamic too of even as they're battling, you you're still kind of questioning like, oh, um, have I been reading the scrolls the entire time? And now these are my true heroes coming back. And it, I, I love all the plots and twists with that. Obviously we, we find out the answers shortly after, but I, I as I was reading it, it's 
I mean, action scene by action scene, wide panels, zooming into all the different texts. Like, there was just so much going on here. Yeah, and it's kind of like the uh, when we went back and read the 60s comments. I don't think many of I, any of us three really thoroughly enjoyed it. But the nostalgia factor of, oh, this is how it started, or this is what it was, or this is, you know, this was Marvel back in the day, you know, that type of stuff. Seeing those, you know, the, the classic... Iron or the classic Iron Man, the classic Thor, the classic uh, Hawkeye, and they're in their OG suits. You're like, okay, this is, you know, this is this is fun. Which I'm I'm glad you mentioned those old '60s comics, Brady, because I, I was gonna save this and talk about this a little bit later, but I might as well bring it up now. Um, we do get a mention at one point in you know this eight issue run. Um, one of the Skrulls is upset at Reed Richards for uh, turning their ancestors or relatives into cows. You know, and I think at one point they referenced, you shouldn't have turned our cousins into cows, which dates back to what I believe Fantastic Four number two that we read back in, in 1962, where the Fantastic Four doesn't know what to do with these shape-shifting scrolls. They convince them to turn into cows. And one tie-in storyline that I can't not talk about today is in one of those Avengers Initiative comic books, I learned those Skrull cows got chopped up, made into burgers that were distributed across the country, and this became a huge issue of people eating Skrull burgers. They began to shape-shift themselves um, and got like some insane version of mad cow disease, basically, which I love another instance of Marvel retconning stuff and taking stuff from, you know, back in the 60s and, and going, oh, yeah, that actually had like a wide ranging impact. That is actually awesome to, to, to hear. I would love to see like, you know, the the uh, the outcome of of that, like in in, in, in its thing, I guess. You might not have to uh, hit me up with which which, which one that was. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read it, but I did. I did know about the scroll burgers, and I think that's just freaking hilarious. Well oh, yeah, done. There's, there's a group of of people that are fighting the scrolls that are just going around collecting the the dead bodies after they have killed them and 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 grilling them up because they've just developed this taste for scroll meat now. Wait, really? Oh yes. Oh, that's it's that's so even great. deeper than I thought. That's hilarious. Oh yeah, they play a big part in some of these tie-ins, like I was saying. But yeah, the it, it, in this first you know portion of the story, the thing that I that you know jumped to, out to me the most was how much we get references back to Civil War and how much we're dealing with still the fallout of Civil War. Because we've got like these two different groups of Avengers, um, which is confusing in and of itself. We have the new Avengers and the mighty Avengers. Um, and then, you know, the all the initiatives, all the teams. And Stark Tech is being used everywhere because Tony got put in charge of everything. And, you know, like we were talking about during Civil War, the dangers of, of putting all this power in the hands of a few. See how in instantly all of our systems go down because they're all using Stark Tech. I think that ties so much into kind of the dynamic of this too, specifically playing off that civil war is because there's this huge 
world-altering event going on that's affecting the entire planet, where if any time you would need all your heroes to rise together, and there's this deep, deep distrust, dismantlement of all of our different favorite hero teams, uh, really just so many different sanctions between the villains and the anti-heroes and these new Avengers and the mighty Avengers that are just torn from that superhero initiative um, and the the res- the registration act that like you you don't get that and what better time to to not have trust in your heroes in the time where like you don't even know who you're fighting with on your own team now because anybody could be a scroll and it just it puts again so many question marks out in the air and i thought that was a really really cool dynamic and and just a super awesome sequel idea to civil war yeah, well, anything else you guys want to talk about on these first couple issues before I give the next portion of our plot summary? I think I mentioned to get to the next one. I think the only thing that I would kind of hint on again is just I'm a little disappointed in my guy who's who's been one of my favorites through these comic runs that never used to be my favorite hero, but Clint, Haw- Clint Barton, Hawkeye, and, and this run, uh, Ronan, I think he's just a, such a cool, deeply developed, recently dead, now back alive hero. Like he's been through so much in these last couple of years of readings. And just to kind of almost like <laughs> without question whatsoever, run back into the arms of his lover being being Mockingbird uh, after the ship, seeing that everybody else on that ship was a scroll. I'm a little disappointed in him, man, but I feel like a lot of people would have acted the same way. I mean, if you would have saw like, Gwen Stacy come off of that ship. You know, Spider-Man would have acted the exact same way. Or um, luckily there wasn't like a scroll. Wasn't there a scroll, Jessica Jones, that came off the ship? I think there that was there was, where she was like in her uh her jewel uniform as opposed oh. to how she looks now. Maybe. I, I didn't notice that there was. But what I wanted to comment on that was, you know, I thought it was actually the opposite. I thought it was a really good way of portraying his character because even in the MCU. Uh, Barton's this family guy. Family's first. He'd pick family over saving the world, basically. And then, you know, he comes. He comes in, and the first sign that his his love is is alive when he thought she was dead for all those years. He's like, I I have to test this. And it also showed how deep the scroll invasion is. And I believe it's in the first four episodes that, that he or episodes a shot, Big uh, shot. first four <laughs> issues. But they uh, they, you know, he asks her a question about a date that only his lover would know. October. Like, 12th. Yeah, October. 12th. And it's like what how deep this this scroll invasion is and the length of, of depth that they went to to hide themselves, even knowing the person's deepest, darkest secrets or. No, it's it was pretty crazy. It was it was interesting to see that dynamic. Yeah, for them to know about the loss of a baby just from the scans, that shows that kind of it wasn't just their physical that was scanned, or maybe they were just probed of questions. But for them to have that information kind of in the back pocket, well played by the squirrels. Mm-hmm. Yes, because I, I was going to mention that you know he did he did at least ask some probing questions. He didn't just run back into what appeared to be his wife's arms. Um, he, you know, like Brady said, they they had this deep information that he thought truly only his wife could know. But 
you know, he was fooled yet again. Although that is a, a minor spoiler for the next two issues because we have not seen that Clint Barton's wife actually was a scroll <laughs> quite yet. Uh, she was what? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> However, getting into the, the next couple issues here. So Jarvis, uh, who is a scroll, confronts S.H.I.E.L.D. director M- Maria Hill asking her to surrender on the Quinjet. Um, while groups of superheroes across the country deal with this invading threat that is now popping up everywhere. Um, you know, it's not just hitting New York, but cities across the globe. In our country's groups from the 50 States Initiative are put to the test. Um, Hank Pym, who's been you know, kind of in charge of this initiative the whole time, has been ensuring that scroll sleeper agents make their way into many of these initiative groups. And a lot of these scroll sleeper agents themselves don't even realize they are scrolls. They are true sleeper agents. Um, and, you know, those that are fighting the invading ar- armies are, are beginning to struggle. Things are not looking great. In the Savage Land, Jessica Drew, a.k.a. Spider-Woman, reveals herself to not only be another scroll agent, but the scroll queen. And she reveals to Tony that Tony has also been working undercover while be- being completely unaware of his own secret identity. Um, and then Jessica disappears. Tony is understandably despondent. He doesn't know what to believe. Um, in New York, meanwhile, Nick Fury has been on the run, secretly forming his own kind of under-the-radar team of superheroes. He joins the battle in the streets of New York. And so most of our mainstream heroes are still in the Savage Land, but Miss Marvel flies over to New York, which I I feel I do need to point out. This is way too early for the Miss Marvel that we now know as Miss Marvel in in Marvel Comics. This is Carol Danvers, who at the time was was Miss Marvel, by the way. Um, she joins the battle in New York along with Fury's commandos, and they, you know, they start to shift the tide in Earth's favor a little bit. Uh, but Tony continues to struggle with an identity crisis. Um, he makes it clear he needs Reed Richards' help, who is being kept prisoner on a scroll ship that is currently being infiltrated by a Shield agent. Um, and then underground, the Hood, recognizing that you know no earth is bad for his criminal business because he kind of needs a planet to to operate his criminal empire under. Uh, He begins to assemble a group of supervillains to pitch into the fight as well. Um, So we got groups popping up all over the place. And while all of this is going on, our boys, the, the OGs, Thor and Captain America finally join in the battle right at the end of issue four. So I think we'll, we'll stop right there and, and talk about issues three and four. This is the huge meet where one of those OGs, Iron Man, is just going through it like I've never seen him before. I mean, they mess with his tech. They're messing with his mind. He's at a loss for words in the majority of the panels where it's uh, the uh, scroll. I'm, uh, uh, I'm just like, oh, dude, poor Tony. But at the same time, like, I wasn't surprised. I was like, okay, well, this makes sense. This is why this has happened. Um, this is why Tony's been acting like this. Like, if anybody was a scroll, maybe the new Avengers had it right. Like, this man has had a huge control over all these events. He is the man in charge. Who better? I mean, probably more power than the president himself. Go after and infiltrate Tony Stark. Like, that would have been the perfect sleeper agent if I was a scroll. Yeah. And I mean, as of the end of issue four, where we where we just paused the recap, we are unclear. Is Tony a scroll? So I, I, I want to ask, boys, as you were reading this, d- 
did you believe Jessica Drew, a.k.a. the Scroll Queen? Did you think Tony was indeed a Scroll, or did you think she was just messing with him? So for me, it was an internal back and forth as I was reading. Because when she first revealed, like, you've been a Scroll this whole time, I went, holy, like, that's why, that you know, that's why it was such monumental for Tony to be in charge of everything, because he was literally a Scroll. And I was like, yeah, but it doesn't make sense for him to be a scroll. It just doesn't. There's no way. There's no way it's a scroll. She's playing with him. And then she would go, and I'm like, oh my gosh, but what if he is, though? But I, I think I convinced myself but before, uh, you know, before everything was, like, revealed and or before he thought, you know, he, he wasn't, that, nah, nah, there's no way. But definitely an internal back and forth from me on, on what, whether it was or wasn't. So this was my second time reading it, but the first time through, oh yeah, I was all in. Like, there's no reason that he shouldn't be because, like, they've already revealed so many other big names to already be a scroll. Like, nobody saw Yellow Jacket becoming one. Sue Storm was another huge name. Jarvis was a stab in the back, if any. Like, how long has my butler been a scroll? Like, so it, with and again, everything that he's been doing, it, it just made sense. So I wasn't. Like immediately like pushing back against that but i was like how come he doesn't have this memory and then as the marvell effect kind of comes in you see these other sleeper agents that are completely unaware of what they've been doing because obviously yeah the the jessica drew uh spider woman she's very aware very in charge i've been actively being a scroll and doing these things on purpose um that wasn't kind of the role that tony was in where he was kind of placed there he did what he needed to do and now she's going to work him back through the memory of who he used to be as soon as she dropped his scroll name i was like oh boom that's it he was a scroll he's got a name she named it that's a thing as soon as you put a name to it it's real yeah and this goes back to how i cryptically answered your question Bo. um i think this was the first like moment of us realizing uh, as well that spider spider woman was a scroll and that was my my biggest reveal not because really because honestly yet again mcu and and video games for me i don't really understand spider woman except it's female spider-man right but though so the wow factor wasn't as big however when you see how much they trusted her and how in she actually was you're like oh this is huge that she was uh that's girl the whole time. And I do have to correct you, Joey, on the uh, on the recap, because you called her the queen. And just like in Star Wars, because I'm a big Star Wars nerd, uh, this is an empire. And she is the empress of the She scrolls. is referred to as the queen multiple times throughout this story. So blame Marvel, Brady. <laughs> well, Marvel also introduced her as the empress when, to her fledglings. So... I, th I think uh, Marvel needs to fix their continuity. All right, that's what I'll say. Get I think your monarchy that. titles down. <laughs> <laughs> Queen, princess, empress, whatever she was. I think that the Spider Woman was the least surprising to me because prior to reading this the first time, I deeply read all of the New Avengers and Mighty Avengers, and it shows a lot of the backstory of this uh, the Spider Woman. And she was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent and then was essentially like 
a triple crossing shield agent where she would work for Nick Fury and then cross him to work for a different handler that she was doing on the side. I think it was with Hydra. I can't remember specifically. Um, but yeah, she had been playing multiple different sides and essentially reporting this information back to both. So she was, even if she wasn't a Skrull, she was a terrible, it took a lot for them to even forgive her after they figured this out. And then she crosses over to kind of be on Team Tony again. And I mean, I love Spider-Woman. She's a really cool dynamic to both teams, but I didn't trust her <laughs> from the very beginning. So I'm almost glad she was a Skrull because like, ah, I was right. Like, I shouldn't have trusted her. So. So what I, what you're saying is all the homies hate Spider Woman. Is that what we're hearing here? Honestly, yeah. There's a lot of panels where they're just like, this girl needs to go. <laughs> oh yeah, she's. I mean, she was in the perfect position to be this scroll agent. She, like Bo said, she was playing all the sides. Um, she was on Nick Fury's side. She she was basically the only person that Nick Fury trusted. Because uh, another spoiler for some of these tie-ins, Nick Fury kind of learned about this scroll invasion early on and, and was, you know, in classic Nick Fury fashion, working secretly in the background to, to make sure some things went in the, the, you know, in favor of our heroes here. But um, she was working for Nick Fury. She was working for Tony's Mighty Avengers. She was working for Luke Cage's New Avengers. She's the one that, that tipped off Luke Cage that, uh, you know, the, the ship landed in the Savage Land and um, causing the new Avengers to go steal the Quinjet. She was working for Hydra because Hydra had basically promised her, you know, to get her power set back. She had lost her powers um, at, at one point. And, and then she's working for the Skrull. She's a quin, quintuple agent. Is that what we're at? Five different sides that she's playing here. That's insane. Classic Skrull. <laughs> yes, but... Um, one other thing I learned about Jessica Drew in these tie-ins is she's been a scroll since the House of M storyline. And when I so when I picked Jessica Drew as my character of the week, you picked a scroll. I picked a scroll. We have <laughs> we now have the scroll queen. I am gonna go back in the records and officially change my answer <laughs> to the scroll queen as my character of the week from House of M. It makes it even better though. Yeah, yeah, I got to actually read like a House of M issue. It was kind of cool, you know. It was a, it was basically Jessica Drew's uh, or the the Scroll Queen, um, you know, her point of view of that House of M issue and and, and what was happening, and and she immediately uh, like knew what was happening, but it still it was really cool to see kind of like the mental struggle that the scrolls were going through at the time during the House of M, you know, story because they they thought they were going to be revealed. Um, but they they managed to keep things under wraps. Yeah, there were two characters that Bendis deeply writes very well. I would say maybe even three because I love what he's done with Hawkeye. But it's it's Luke Cage and it's Jessica Drew. And he just loves this new Avengers team. And just, I don't know if from the very beginning when he took over Avengers, he had plans of doing all this or each year he just took some amazing drugs and came up with this story on the spot because <laughs> there's a lot of retcon involved with that, but it all just ties in so well. And you go back a year, you go back to, you go back three events and you're like, oh, this makes sense. And I just, I personally couldn't do that. So I'm very jealous, but I love that I got to read it. <laughs> I, I, I think. I would have liked more of Luke Cage because, I mean, you, you get to, you know, I'm a, one of the, uh, 
I, we mentioned are the biggest first tie-in of Marvel was like Iron Man for us. Um, but like for the original Iron Man movie and, and what got us into comics and stuff. But like for me, my biggest suck into Marvel that really brought me in and, and, and got me committed was the Netflix series. So Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, those are the things I've, I've watched those seasons multiple times because of how much I loved them. And the, and at, at that point in time, it was, you know, crazy for Marvel to be making a, a series and it work. So I love Luke Cage as a character and I wanted more sweet Christmas. And I think that while, while he is a forefront of like this, this, uh, series i think the problem is like i'm missing the character development and maybe there is some that joey knows about that i don't from reading the other stuff but i think i think i would have liked more luke cage yeah i think a lot of this i mean if you would have liked more luke cage brady read the new avengers run like from start to finish like that is his story that is his team and it 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 shows some of that in this Mostly just with like how deeply mistrusting he is of everybody. Like as soon as he finds out about essentially people being scrolls, he's one of the people that is just straight up like, okay, you're all scrolls. <laughs> like yeah. there, there's not a whole lot of trust. But yeah, his character development in the main run, as of like a lot of these characters, you get that. And then because the, the crossover event you're trying to include so much. And the story itself is kind of the front runner there of what's happening with the scroll invasion that you don't get kind of that side development or the inner monologues and things like you do during the, the main comic runs. But um, yeah, there, there is that aspect to him, but that I would say that's in the main new Avengers and even some of the mighty Avengers run. Awesome. Yeah, I'll but, definitely be looking into that then. Yeah. That new Avengers run with our kind of underground group of, you know, the heroes that decided not to register in, in the civil war um, era. They're, they're in that new Avengers run led by Luke Cage and something that we haven't even really talked about at all with Luke Cage is he is a, a new father at this point. Him and Jessica Jones have a, a little baby that shows up in this, in this comic run. Yeah. Look, another reason why is that I, I would have loved more because, you know, in, in the Marvel, uh, series in the tv series it's it's a lot of like you know hinting at it and you know shocking sex appeal and stuff like that but like now you get to see the hey it, it worked out they became a family and i'm like oh i want to know more i want to know what happened i want to know so i don't know One i think a- comic panels ever is when uh peter parker and mary jane and their new baby mayday go over to Luke Cage and Jessica Jones' house with their child for essentially just like lunch. And they're just sitting there and, and hanging out as a family with their kids. And I'm like, this is this is group chat vibes. Like, this is like what me and my friends do. Like, this is this is cool to see this side of it. Because, yeah, you don't always expect the, the superheroes to have that, like we talked about with Clint Barton, just kind of being that family man and having those kids and, and having your wife and kind of that settle down life. Like that's a cool side of them to see too. So yeah, that's also in that comic run. And I agree with you, Brady, like my favorite side of Marvel. And I think I've said this a few times is that street level aspect to it. I love that the MCU starting to head there as well too. There's all those kind of theories that everybody forgetting Spider-Man, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, is going to give him that opportunity to kind of detach from that over-the-top Avengers world and kind of come down to that street-level Spider-Man that everybody loves so much. Uh, so I, I think very, very cool things to come with that. And then obviously the inclusion of 
Daredevil, and then they're going to bring Punisher back in, and we've got Moon Knight. So I'm I'm hoping I get some uh, some fan dreams brought to <laughs> life in, in the future MCU. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Peter Parker and Spider Man, but I I didn't get any confirmation of this one way or the other. Reading through all of these, but do we have any idea where that stands at this point? Has has is the world still know that Peter Parker is Spider Man as of this invasion? I I have seen zero bring back of that, so I think yes, which is why I think he's a big part of that new Avengers team where they truly are underground. I think like his his family may they're all still in hiding essentially, and he is actively Peter Parker to the public, um, but trying to stay out of the public's eye as much as possible while they kind of still work behind the scenes. You know, now that I say that, I do actually remember there was in a, an amazing Spider. It was Secret Invasion, Amazing Spider-Man, three or four issue title in this event. There is a moment where a you know a, a villain is essentially on top of a car, looking into a car with four people in it, and he says, "I know one of you is Spider-Man. Um, which one of you is it?" So. It, it it may be already to the point where everyone has forgotten that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. You know, I, I'm not quite sure. It, it didn't confirm it necessarily, but the fact that they were looking at four people, none of which was Peter Parker, and they were saying, I know one of you is Spider-Man, perhaps they've forgotten. Uh, Spider-Man I... also doesn't have the most intelligent villains at times, too. <laughs> it could have it been somebody new to the scene. Or maybe there was an issue where he stopped by Doctor Strange's house and we didn't see it. Well, I was going to mention, and this might be spoilers for the, the last recap, but um, I just feel like, and I know that this is a Secret Invasion podcast, and I'm going to talk about Spider-Man here, but I just feel like Spider-Man's villains hate Spider-Man more than any other villain group hates any other hero. And, <laughs> like, uh, there was a time where, uh, I think it was, this is probably, yet again, the spoilers for it, but Black Bolt, who is a member of the Thunderbolts, uh, is fighting the scrolls and he has Spider-Man in his sights and he shoots. It's like Bull's, bullseye. Or yeah, it was bullseye. It was bullseye. Bullseye. And it was like, what? Wh- why? Why do they hate him so much? <laughs> he's just, well, they, he's Dickens. Yeah. Nick, it could have been coming off the heels of the unseen in, in your reading of this, the Thunderbolts had to be fair, just fought off a large group of Skrull Spider-Men. Um, <laughs> it was a really fun comic issue where Norman Osborn got to take out like 16 straight Spider-Man and he's just like having the time of his life flashing <laughs> back to the good old days where he got to fight Spider-Man. Dude, Norman Os- Osborn with this Thunderbolts team, especially like upcoming dark avengers and things like that which is well past this comic event is just a norman osborne that i've never read before but i think there's so yeah he just kind of has that deep maniacal he he has a huge piece in this event and these future upcoming recaps so um we'll kind of honestly joey just just take it from here because i've got more to say on that all right yeah let's we got two more sections here to to get through so we'll we'll breeze through the next one i'm sure but speaking of norman osborne you know at, at thunderbolts mountain he, uh he is talking to captain marvel who is having an identity crisis um he is aware that he's a scroll sleeper agent but he's still kind of retaining most of those captain marvel memories and identity and he's really kind of upset that he was planted as this scroll sleeper agent 
Um, Norman gathers his crew and prepares for war with the Skrulls. Uh, meanwhile, Agent Bran infiltrates the Skrull ship holding Reed Richards, taking out the crew and rescuing Reed. Um, on Earth, Maria Hill shows that she's taken after her predecessor when the Skrulls you know, that demanded her surrender learned that she was actually a life model decoy. Love a, love a good life model decoy. Um, the real Maria Hill was watching this altercation from a distance before detonating the helicarrier with all of those scrolls on it. Uh, meanwhile, Agent Brand, again, in that ship with Reed Richards, flies the captured scroll ship to the planet. Reed Richards, in the meantime, works to develop a way to identify the scrolls, And they arrive in the Savage Land just in time to assist our group of heroes in finally identifying who is who. And we do get confirmation, Tony Stark, not a scroll. Um, however, this is when Clint Barton learns that his supposed wife, in fact, not his wife, um, and, and Clint Barton declares that every last scroll must die. Um, but on, you know, on normal Earth, not in the Savage Land, Hank Pym, who has obviously been a scroll agent, broadcasts to all Earth inhabitants that they are being invaded and their lives will be better under scroll rule. So they might as well just not fight and, and give in. Um, and we get glimpses of the invasion that is happening around the world, you know, not just in New York, but in Wakanda, um, in Adelaide with the the Inhumans in Israel and San Francisco and Britain. Um, and then, you know, Queen slash Empress Jessica Drew joins Hank Pym and while the Avengers, you know, now armed with Reed and his scroll identifying technology that he whipped up in about half a panel, they fly towards New York. Um, and all of our groups, you know, the Young Avengers, the Avengers, the Thunderbolts, the Hoods villains, Nick Fury's commandos, the Skrull invaders, we we get the, you know, gathering for what seems to be the final showdown. And we get, Brady, I'm sure you were extremely upset about this. We get Tony Stark giving us an Avengers assemble. Um, and, and that is how we end <laughs> issue six. I know Brady has been Mary. on record as saying only Captain America can say Avengers Assemble. Yeah, well, I didn't mention it last time, but I believe Ares gives an Avengers Assembles in the last uh, comic series that we read, too. So, in, in uh, World War Hulk. So, but at this point, Captain America was supposed to be dead. I know Captain America's there, but... <laughs> I'm oh. cool with Tony saying it. I'm not cool with Ares saying it. He's not. He's not to that tier yet for me. Um, but yes, one thing that I I do want to, well, first of all, two things, Reed Richards, thank you for saving the day again, just the smartest man, like without that technology, this, I don't know how they would have played this out, but that kind of was game changing for this. And the second thing is we know, and I, I sent you guys both a screenshot that I'm not sure how tied into this comic series, the MCU run will be. However, I hope it's a great success. I hope that this is a cool show that we're about to watch and dive into. If there's one thing that comes from this series, I hope that it's real life merch for us. And it's a t-shirt that says Nick Fury was right. Cause I would absolutely <laughs> buy that. I would, I would buy it and pair it with my Thanos was right one as well. <laughs> Cause yeah, I love a good life model decoy. And again, that was the only way out of that situation. I feel like it's kind of a cop out sometimes. Um, well, it's kind of a cop out every time to be completely honest with you. It's like a yeah, we kind of backed ourselves into this, and we're not ready for this character to really die yet because it's going to be harder to bring them back, specifically the people that are not superheroes. But yeah, a good uh, Nick Fury was right t shirt would just go so well in the closet. Agreed. 
Um, I do have two small points to mention. One is, for those of you who don't know who Norm is, we keep mentioning him. I don't even think the comic actually explains. It kind of hints at it, but Norm was a Green Goblin, um, specifically in uh, in like the Spider-Man uh, MCU <laughs> universe. And I believe it's in the last... Uh, that's good. Uh, I believe it was in the last uh, m- movie He is when he starts, quote-unquote, turning good, right? So he's the leader of the Thunderbolts in this and definitely a pivotal character of the whole run. But um, the other thing I wanted to mention, and, you know, I think it's safe to say because I don't think in good conscience I can say that he was my favorite character here at the end. But when reading this, I don't know why. But, Bo, I'd completely disagree. I think Ares has all the right to say Avengers Assemble because I love Ares. <laughs> I don't know what it is about him. It's not like he had a big part of, you know, this this series. But every single time he just shows up and demands respect. I'm the god of war. Like, get off of me. So, I, I don't know. I But that, that, those are my two uh, non-related points. Ares was relevant during a lot of this run. The same reason that Sentry was, and it's because Thor's been dead. They needed to fill it with this godlike character and basically where you would have Thor coming and saying his classic lines, like, have at thee, which I think Spider-Man actually <laughs> talks about during one of these fight scenes. He's like, oh, that's how we should be talking. I could definitely not pull that off in this moment. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's Ares is a, a B-tier Thor for me when it comes oh. to Marvel gods. But he is he is very cool. He's very bro-like. He's very, let's just brawl which is why he's a perfect fit for those Dark Avengers coming up. Um, but yeah, I, I like him, but he, he's not my favorite. He's just, he's, he's consistent. I'm a big Ares fan, so it hurt my soul now. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't really have a, a huge opinion on Ares one way or the other. Um, I, I respect that he is one of your, your new blossoming favorite characters, though, Brady. Let's go. And, um, and I, I I don't want to spoil the last one, and I think this one was a small smaller one. So I would really love to get into the last one so that I can just let my mind out. Yeah, Joey, give us an extra recap <laughs> and let's just let it all go. All right, I will do that after I I do make one last comment, which is I I mentioned you know we get glimpses of the invasion happening around the world. You guys got like one panel of Wakanda, one panel of Adelan, one panel. Of, I got in stories of all of the things happening in all of those other locations and that was again just one of the perks of reading this entire event rather than just the main title um it just expands on so much of those details uh, but yeah we can we can jump into the end here and just go free reign on this entire series as far as scrolls around the world i did have one panel screenshot and i think it did fall within this third quarter section here i was going to send this out to you guys this was going to be the reading I do kind of just want to push through, though, because I'm enjoying the conversation. But it was that big screen cap of all the celebrity faces around the world and the and the scroll involvement through there where you see, like, Obama. <laughs> you see, I'm pretty sure Stephen Colbert's on there. You have Magneto and Dr. Doom, but there's also Oprah and Tiger Woods. And I thought that that was just such a classic panel where you see these real-life celebrities basically kind of Marvel... The, the, it it just shows that they exist in the Marvel universe now, and in some way it doesn't name them, but I mean you know who they are. 
I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Stephen Colbert. I'm fairly certain in one panel we got, it was a background detail you might not have noticed. I think there was a uh, a bus or a truck driving with an advertisement that said Colbert 2008, which I think was a low-key reference to the fact that Stephen Colbert, quote-unquote, ran for president back in 2008. Um, like the character of Stephen Colbert, not actual Stephen Colbert. Yeah, so it was, because uh, I, I caught it too, and I thought it was hilarious. Um, it was a uh, t-shirt when on the uh, uh, welcoming party for the conspiracy people uh, that were welcoming in the scroll invasion. Yes. Um, but yeah, but the, the, the panel with all of the celebrity faces, I, I did definitely catch Obama in there and Colbert did lots of actual famous people included, which was kind of fun. But all right, let's let's close out the plot summary here. And then, yeah, like we said, just go free reign here. So Avengers have assembled. We see all out war, uh, virtually every hero imaginable out there on the battlefield. Norman and Cap quickly acknowledge each other and the fact that, you know, the other one should be in, in prison. They're both like, hey, you should be in prison. Yeah, you too. Um, <laughs> so fake heroes fight real heroes as uh, we see scrolls demonstrate this huge depth of power sets that they have available to them. Uh, Jessica Joan leaves her and Luke Cage's baby with Jarvis, and she goes to join the fray as well. Um, Janet, a.k.a. the Wasp, when attempting to become giant-sized, discovered that Hank Pym had planted a secret weapon within her Pym particles. And um, when it appears that the Skrulls may be at the brink of defeat, Hank activates this weapon, which basically turns Janet herself into this giant biological bomb. Uh, And so to stop... All the madness our heroes must kill Skrull Queen, Jessica Drill. Um, Wolverine charges in to finish the job, and while he does that, the killing shot comes not from any of our beloved heroes, but from our guy, the leader of the Thunderbolts, Mr. Norman Osborn. Um, freeing the Skrull prisoner ship, our heroes finally are reunited with those that were, you know, being impersonated by Skrulls that have been kept in captivity for years. Uh, realizing Jarvis is among those prisoners, Jessica Jones realized she just left her baby in the hands of a scroll. She flees the scene with Luke not far behind. Um, Thor gives Tony a, a little lashing about his decision making the last couple of years. And our heroes are reunited with loved ones, including Clint Barton, finally finding his real wife. Um, that, you know, things begin to return to a semblance of normalcy, uh, except, oh, yeah, you know, one kind of big thing. Having ended the war, Norman Osborn has been heralded as a, you know, a celebrity and he's all but forgiven for any of his past misconduct, which includes being the freaking green goblin. Everyone seems to just forget about that. All of a sudden the president himself declares Norman, a national hero and decides to put him in charge of the Avengers and what was formerly known as shield, but shield is kind of being defunded um, and, and taken over. And the series wraps up with Norman, being put in charge and we see him holding a secret meeting with a group of interesting characters such as you know dr doom and namor and loki and the hood and emma frost uh and we get a peek into the dark rain that lies ahead and that is secret invasion so yeah obviously there's this undercover evil that's happening and everybody's reunited with their loved ones except for hank janet died guys she got sprouted she got sword. She did indeed get soaked. 
but so I, that, was, that was a bit shocking. Obviously, I feel like you have to lose at least one big name uh, in a in a in a Marvel comic event. And since we got Thor back, somebody had to die. But didn't expect it to be another founding Avenger. That was tough. Um, and then yeah, I just this tie in. You see the Cabal forming for the first time with uh, the the characters that you just mentioned there with with Norman Osborn. I know there's so much, but essentially that dark Illuminati coming um and i just i love what comes next because I, i've read it but i remember reading it for the first time just completely jaw dropped i was really really excited to just continue that reading from there yeah and i haven't read it yet and that's what i'm super excited for because i think when we were doing the old comics i mentioned how cool dr doom was and then we talked about you know i i love the character arc of 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 Norman Osborn in this. Is he good? Is he bad? Is he good? Is he bad? Is he reformed? Is he not? Um, and then you, you have characters like the hood, which, you know, I know from Vigi games and you got characters like, like it's, it's such a cool evil villain group and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with it. But there was a point in the comic when I was reading um, where I went, uh Oh, Oh no. And it was way too before, you know, everything got announced and it's, Joey, you mentioned the final shot. And in the final shot, they said, and not, no hero did it, but Norman Osborn. I'm like, oh no, that's going to have some kind of, you know, thing. Oh, and I believe they said, and every TV captured the fact that he took, he did the last shot too. And I was like, oh no, something bad's going to come of that. Sure enough. I just don't think it was enough <laughs> to basically say, okay, Tony, you had your chance, you blew it. And uh, this guy, the dude with the gun, the smoking pistol, you're in charge now. I don't, you used to be famous for something, right? But uh, whatever, you did a cool thing, so take everything. Well, I, I think there's some devious I, planning there that uh, I, I think the, the public was swayed in a way they maybe shouldn't have been. Well, I think I took the thing that I took, because I had the same thought and thinking in retrospect, I went, well, Thunderbolts Initiative had been a thing for a while at this point. They were a part of the 50 States Initiative. Um, it was this group of villains who have, quote unquote, reformed under Norman's lead and actually, you know, using their their powers and their uh, abilities, their smarts to, you know, change and not be bad anymore. And I think that that was like the, you know, one of the things is they trust this guy now because, you know, he he did good things for so long. But He's still a uh, schizophrenic, uh, crazy person that does not control it well. <laughs> and you know something bad's going to come of that. And so his team nice. of reformed heroes, well, reformed villains that are acting as heroes now, they're still definitely out there killing people. Like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure Venom has at least one adult human being as a snack a day. <laughs> I mean, it even says in the, in the thing, Spider-Man's right there, though. It's like... Yeah, but the scroll invasion is going to kill everybody. But Spider-Man's right there. I could kill him. I could eat him. And it's like, you know, it's like, are they really reformed? Yeah. And again, something I've been trying to refrain from, but just another quick, you know, tangent about one of the tie-in issues, you know, in, in the Thunderbolts series that's going on at this time, you know, you see Norman Osborn leading this team a little bit more and you get more of a sense of the fact that he is not a reformed like he's not a hero he is still norman osborne um you know there's some 
definitely questionable things happening on that Thunderbolts team that he uses against them to basically manipulate them all the time. Um, like I believe Swordsman's sister is killed by one of the other Thunderbolts. Uh, and they're just, he's like, oh yeah, I, this is perfect. I can just lie and say that the scrolls did this. And this is the motivation that Swordsman needs to stay in this fight and, and take out a bunch of scrolls. Um, but yeah, and it's, you just get more of a, uh, a you know opening into Norman Osborn's real persona, which is not what the public believes he is. Is you know this reformed hero? For sure. Um, I think the the ending at the end, her her dying, Hank Pym coming back, because um, Hank Pym was one of the. Well, I, I don't, did we mention the fact that Iron Man goes up into space? with Thor, and they just start blasting all the scroll spaceships. And then in one of the spaceships, they find all the people that the scrolls have been keeping to take samples. Um, we I very, very briefly breezed by that in the recap. But yeah, th- yeah. Iron Man and Thor go up into space. So that's how we get uh, Hank Pym, the actual Hank Pym back, is he was up in space chilling. With, the scrolls had him as a prisoner for who knows how many years i think he even mentions like do i even want to ask what year it is and then you re he comes down and the first realization everyone's smiling and happy and then he goes hey where's janet and then everybody's face in the next panel is just straight faced and they have to announce like hey it wasn't a total win okay so without any actual research here or maybe joe you do know we know that Hank Pym has had so many different faces as, as like a hero, both the comics and the MCU, where he started as Ant-Man and then he becomes giant man and stuck as giant man for a while. Um, he kind of has like a, a dark turn there for a little while with the West Coast Avengers. He strictly goes by Hank Pym, which is after this when he's just kind of in kind of like professor mode um, is the yellow jacket persona. Was that? fully developed by scroll hank pym like when he kind of takes that dark turn as yellow jacket was that just scroll pym i do not know this off the top of my head however you bringing that up makes all the sense in the world and i i would believe it and i would buy that just as uh, you know, we learned that Jessica Drew's whole House of M uh, thing was was all scroll related. Her whole like, hey guys, should we actually be like, you know, saving the world here, or maybe we should just let this thing play out? Uh, that was all scroll, uh, Jessica Drew. You know, and and I think that makes all the sense in the world for Yellow Jacket to be scroll Hank Pym exclusively. Again, that's how they explained a lot of kind of this the strange behavior from some of these popular characters and again i never they never specifically said like oh when uh hank pym kind of went crazy there off the deep end it's because it was that's when he was taken over by a scroll um so everybody kind of got relived there a little bit if we if we dive back deep enough except for iron man because he ended up not being a scroll so tony stark has really just kind of been through it Yes, and, and Tony seeing Jarvis come out of the ship and, and realizing, like, oh, huh, Jarvis was a scroll. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that was, like, a, you know, weight lifted off of Tony's shoulders as he realized, you know, maybe it wasn't all his fault that the Stark Tech uh, fiasco happened. 
but then there's that kind of reverse effect of as soon as Jessica Jones sees Jarvis and is just like, oh crap, I handed my baby to a scroll and just absolutely takes off. And I don't remember how that we plays got out. zero resolution to that in this. Yeah. There's a baby yeah. out there. Which, a, a potentially um, super powered baby. Yeah, which is in in a scroll seemingly got away. It seems you know Jarvis uh, just kind of left with the baby. He, he didn't come join the fight. Who knows where he went? Um, yeah, I'm probably I, that's where in the future story. Yeah, that's where when I was talking about wanting more uh, Jessica Jones and and Luke Cage, it kind of goes to fruition there. Of I want to know what happens to that baby. I want to know about that baby. I want to know what they're going to do. I want Sweet Christmas to be enacted. I want I want revenge. I, I'm, I'm interested to see what the next story brings. Because it was so cool to see. I mean, Jessica Jones has been just kind of detached from the hero world. Uh, she did her PI thing for a while. Really kind of separated from her dual superhero identity. Um, it's just kind of been in mom mode ever since they had this child and Luke Cage has been out doing his thing and she's kind of there behind the scenes, kind of like detached from that previous life that she had. And then when she sees kind of the world needing all hands on deck, she she literally hands over that other life, that that baby and goes to join the fight just to immediately kind of have that slap her back in the face. So, yeah, I don't remember how that plays out, but if you're going to mess with somebody's kid, like you picked a bad couple to mess with with the yeah. indestructible couple yeah and another tie-in story real quick um you know there is early on there's an issue of the new avengers where you know th- as soon as they learn about the scroll invasion and the new invasion n- new invasions the new invasions uh they have no idea who to trust they're, they're like going back and forth accusing each other of being scrolls and we see like luke cage and jessica jones kind of start to you know these seeds of mistrust are being sown in their relationship and and luke mentions at one point like, like holy shit my baby might be half scroll he, he's convinced that jessica is uh actually a scroll um so there's some you know tension in that relationship going on that we didn't see in this run necessarily but uh, my my personal favorite portion of this entire eight issue run was at the end of issue seven, right? Um, as we're having this you know, giant battle being waged, uh, Iron Fist and Spidey are, are kind of going back and forth, exchanging quips, which was a, a great thing to see throughout this run. Was the the quip battles going on between Spider Man, Iron Fist, uh, Ronan, um, some of these more funny characters. But Spider Man goes, "Hey, you know this. It really isn't all, you know, so bad. All things considered." And I'm just like, "What? How? Why?" And he's like, "You know, um, usually when things are going gonna go really bad, Uatu shows up." And he's <laughs> like, "Who?" And he goes, "Oh, the Watcher, that big alien bald guy in charge of watching when truly insane stuff happens. He's not here, so that must mean we're gonna be okay." And ah, come on! And then it's just a giant panel of Uatu watching from the sky. Uh, it was just hilarious. That was yeah. hilarious. That was the was, biggest I've ever seen him too. Because yeah, he was there in full force. Yeah, I was watching. I I I was waiting. I was like, as soon as that title that title came through, because you know, on uh, well, how I'm reading on the phone, I, I, you don't see the whole page. So as soon as the, the 
I, I read it and then Spider-Man said that. I'm like, well, here it comes up. Oh, there he is. <laughs> so I was I was very excited to see him again in his full full vision, never being seen, but always being seen way. Almost kind of thrown in like an afterthought, like as they were going through this this series, like you get to uh, issue seven and Bendis was probably like, oh, yeah, we've had him in every other one. Uh, we might need to mention him somehow. Who can bring him in? None other than Spider-Man. It, it, it was well done, even if it wasn't afterthought. It, it had the perfect effect on me. And I could just hear Spider-Man in my head going, you know, Uatu, the guy. Oh, come on. Like... <laughs> Oh. Well, overall, guys, let's let's do some recapping thoughts. I feel like we we honed in on a lot of the specific details that spoke out to us. Um, but just kind of as a whole, how would you guys rate this event? Uh, I'll start because I think Joey has probably some insight uh, into uh, what what will come next too. But I actually, really, really liked it. Um, there were characters that came through yet again. The 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 thing of mistrust. Um, we've seen it before in Marvel, where it's like you know, uh, thinking back to like Civil War times, where you're like, um, you're like, oh, are these guys right? Are these guys right? Here you got it. Like, it doesn't matter who's right. Is that the guy? And it was very interesting to a dynamic to kind of read. Um, I will give this a solid. Eight and a half out of ten. I really enjoyed it. Well, since the numbers don't matter week to week, let me ask you this by comparison, because they're my top two. Um, let's let's do this top three as well too. In order, one, two, and three. One being the highest so far. Give me House of M, Civil War, and Secret Invasion. So I'm gonna do House of M one still because I really, really loved the. Uh, and I might have to have Joey change my change my ratings <laughs> because I don't remember what I gave House of M. Yes, I'm, I'm pretty sure you gave House of M a lower rating than both Secret Invasion and Civil War so far. But proceed. I, sorry. <laughs> I will say House of M because I love the uh, Scarlet Witch uh, going crazy momentum, and then I'll give uh, Secret Invasion two. And Civil War three, but I think all of them are wonderful, personally. Joey, how about you? Um, well, not having given my rating for Secret Invasion yet, I will, I would put that at number one, absolutely. Um, and then followed by House of M and in Civil War, I just I know I was not quite as uh, drawn to Civil War as the two of you were, so that's my third of the three. And Brady, yes, I, I do have our statistics pulled up just to reference here. Um, you did give Civil War a, an eight and a half as well, and you gave House of M a six. Am I confusing this? What is Civil Wait, Okay, okay. This will be a post-podcast discussion. I think I'm confusing something. This but... is live in the podcast. Everybody so here's it. what I'm going to do. The Scarlet Witch story, number one. The Scroll story, number two. And the internal struggle, struggle number three. As far as the stories go, as far as the comics, maybe I need to refresh to see which ones I actually liked. 
House no, no yeah, your, your scores just definitely don't add up to your ranking. But you're <laughs> you're you're a more experienced, more distinguished reader now. So maybe maybe a couple weeks ago when you first rated House of M, you weren't in your right mind. You didn't know what to expect. And don't worry, I'm keeping track of all of these ratings, and I do plan at some point in a future bonus episode to do a uh, you know a revisiting of these rankings and and actually go through and and see you know having read multiple storylines, if our opinions of some of these things change. Uh, but Bo, you know, let's hear your answer. I, I want to hear you rank these three stories. I also want to hear your rating out of 10 for Secret Invasion. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give this a solid... I'm just going to throw numbers that I know I will not remember going forward, just see how true it is. Secret Invasion for me, because it comes after stories that I love and ties directly into stories that I love even more. I'm going to give it a 9.2. That is going to be my number one story. Um, my number two at this point is still Civil War with House of M coming in at a third and World War Hulk uh, coming in at a waste of my time. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, my, It is hard for me to rate the secret invasion title i am giving a rating to this entire event uh just because it like i said it has been tough for me to remember what specifically happened in this you know issue run here versus all of the other tie-ins but i had such a blast reading all of these comic books like i mean i read 100 comic books in two weeks and i would not have done that if it was not entertaining and i wasn't having a good time and I might regret this in future, but I, I will leave some room for improvement. I'm giving this a 9.9 .9 out of 10. This was an amazing story. And honestly, the experience of reading all the tie-ins, I feel like every just avid comic reader would always recommend doing that. And I feel like your experience from this was probably a million times better than just anybody that's read just this mainline. Yeah, like I said, I feel like you guys watched a movie and I watched that same movie expanded into five se seasons of a television show. Just the sheer amount of world building and details that I got on top of, you know, the, the main plot really enhanced it. Which... And, and uh, do we? I think we. I'll, I'll, I'll say this leading into what we normally do at the end, but which goes great and makes me super freaking excited for this the TV series, or I guess it's not TV, but the the series that is Secret Invasion that we're going to be watching hopefully this week, um, and and doing something with for uh, for all you you wonderful listeners out there. Um, so we are super excited to see. All of the stuff that the MCU can bring in with the uh, expanded timeline, um, but I guess I guess we can move on to the what we normally do, which I believe starts with a character, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I definitely want to do a favorite a favorite character of of this event specifically, and then I think yeah, we should we should talk about maybe just some future predictions as far as the MCU goes. Uh, but I'll go ahead and kick things off. Favorite character for this run. Um, there were so many of them. And I feel like one of the biggest things about this run is that not every, there wasn't a true leading man to a lot of this, except for, I would say shy of 
Tony Stark was probably a big center of a lot of the action here within this. You had some revivals, you had some brief appearances, you had some people that you probably don't want to pick anymore because they ended up being a scroll. Um, so a, a lot of back and forth as far as the character goes, but everybody had a pretty huge role within it. Um, I've, I've picked Clint Barton, Ronan, and so many other issues that I do kind of want to steer away from that just for <laughs> uh, switching things up a little bit. Uh, Spider-Man really not in a lot this one. So another personal favorite that I picked in the past um, doesn't have a, a huge role in a lot of this because it is just kind of this otherworldly, it takes an army effect. Um, I'm going to pick somebody who... Oh, I'm, I'm like changing my decision as, as I say this. I'm going to go with who I think was, I, I mentioned this earlier, the person who had the biggest effect and change on this entire story. Again, not a huge leading role, but somebody who stayed consistent and just used his, his greatest powers for good. I'm going to go with Reed Richards. I think he was slapped in the face with a scroll, literally shot in the face uh, with that particle dismember um, and just kind of shocked the same way that I was. But his mind played such a huge role in this. He developed basically the game changing aspect of being able to recognize a scroll, which takes away their biggest strength. And without that, they would have never won this this battle whatsoever. So I'm going to go with Reed Richards in the mind of the Fantastic Four. I think that's a great pick. And it goes back to, I think, what we were talking about when we were doing the 1960s comics for me, which was, gosh, I wish the MCU did the Fantastic Four better because Reed Richards' impact in the comic books is so massive compared to what his very minor, if any, role is in the MCU. And, you know, he's almost like, you know, in, in the MCU, your your smart man and your funny man is Iron Man. Um and and there's no mind like like Tony Stark's in the world, and it's like, but there is in the comics. You have Reed Richards; it's like his his second person. So I love that pick. Um, I think I'm glad that you went first because mine was between two people, and it was Reed Richards and probably the guy that I'm going to choose, which is a very on par for for me, which is not choosing a hero, but instead choosing just a villain that I love the character development for and want to see what happens next with. So mine is going to be Norman Osborn as my favorite character in this. I love the development of like, even, you know, talking down, um, uh, uh, captain, not cap is it captain Marvel. Who's the, 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 the dude, Marvel, Marvel. Yeah. Mar yes. Marvel. Or yeah. Marvel. But yeah, the original Captain Marvel. So even talking him down and convincing him that, no, he's actually a good guy and getting him off of there, you know, of him literally kicking every single person's butt uh, in the Thunderbolts um, to taking the last shot. And then the scene at the end with, you know, oh, man, he's he's doing the Green Goblin thing where he's getting the villains together. It's such a cool story arc of or character building of what's coming next. And even in the MCU, uh, and shout out to William Defoe for for do, for doing it to me. But he does like the the like back and forth, the battling of that that other person, you know, is is so good. And with him and uh, Moon Knight in the MCU, ooh, I cannot wait to see what what comes next. Yeah, the Green Goblin is definitely a deep deep rooted part of him forever, <laughs> and. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think the public forgets that sometimes, like we've mentioned, but we know 
we know. And I'm glad you talked about I, and, and you supported my pick. I equally support your pick. I think that that's a great choice for this event specifically. Um, but yeah, the the mind of Reed Richards, like in the MCU, I feel like is nothing compared to the comics, like you said. And we kind of see that power trio a lot here with Hank Pym, whether or not he was a scroll or not, whatever. Um, and then Tony Stark and then Reed Richards. And Tony even said during this event, like the one thing that they can't copy is my mind. And that's what he ends up using. And very much so with Reed Richards as well, too. It was their intelligence. Very much like the early comics that we read, the superheroes were the smart guys. Um, and this is a very, very developed, very experienced Reed Richards, which is something we haven't got in the MCU. We've got literally origin story after origin story. So it's kind of brand spanking new, fresh Reed Richards. And we haven't got the version that we're kind of seeing here in the comics, which is why I'm excited if this plays out in the MCU the way that we thought it was going to. Um, basically, the way that they said they're going to bring the Fantastic Four in is that it's the team from the 60s that's been out traveling different planets and dimensions and worlds this entire time while everything is, is going on in the background. And then they come to Earth. So we're not going to get another origin story. We're not going to get a brand new um, early days young Reed Richards. We're, we're potentially going to get that already established family man they have their kids he's with sue and he's just kind of been working on his experiments putting his mind to the fullest reed richard so if that's the way they bring him in whether or not it is adam driver i think it's going to be very cool but um yeah that's just me hyping up my pick again your pick was equally cool brady joey how about you um speaking of the fantastic four i i wish they would go back and actually do a fantastic four movie set in the 60s and the fact that no one in the current mcu timeline knows or remembers the fact that the fantastic four happened back in the 60s because you know shout out back to our 60 comics reading the public was so dumb and gullible that they just forgot about the fantastic four and so they <laughs> you know they were there like years and years ago but we just forgot about them. and they just go uh, oh yeah when they come back yeah that but guy. Man, picking a favorite character is, is tough for me. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard not to pick characters from these tie-in issues that made no really no appearance in in the actual title here. Um, things, you know, character shout-outs. I just want to make a couple here. Three D Man, someone that I knew nothing about before that I I got to know a lot in these tie-in issues was pretty cool. Um, a the lesser known Ant Man of Eric O'Grady. Um, this is, you know, in the, in the aftermath of, of Scott Lang's death and Hank Pym is yellow jacket. We get another Ant-Man in this Avengers initiative thing that's going on, Eric O'Grady. And he was hilarious. Uh, he had lots of funny lines. And at one point um, made a couple jokes about Jessica drew queen scrolls, boobs bouncing. And um, he, he's like on Jessica Jones shoulder or something. And it references the uh, the mountains on on her chest, or something. <laughs> I was just dying laughing reading some of these Ant Man lines. Um, I thought about the you know a meme pick of uh, the the scroll cows as as my character of the week, um, but I'm really glad Bo didn't take who I suspected he might, so that I can take Clint Barton Hawkeye. I mean, I think. Of, of the characters that made an appearance in the actual Secret Invasion title, he just had a huge struggle. I mean, we've seen him 
recently die and come back to life and, and have to struggle with that. And he's, you know, been missing his wife for years now. Uh, Mockingbird, I believe, is, is who his wife was. And, um, you know, he thinks he has her back. He, he asks her that, that question that, you know, only she could possibly know the answer to. She answers it, it right and, you know, thinks he has her back and just to find out that she was actually a scroll. Uh, but then he, we do see them, you know, officially reunite at the end. And, and we see some, you know, finally something good happening for our guy, Clint. Very Peter Parker vibes. I don't know if they like touched hands and swapped luck at some point during the comics. But yeah, he's been on a, a bit of a downward spiral since, you know, like his death. So uh, he even mentions that he's like, yeah, I've had uh, quite a year. And, and now this like. But yeah, I love Clint Barton. Awesome choice. He's just always such a grounded character. And I feel like it's just that cool aspect of all this stuff's going on. He's the one dude out in the battle without powers um, that really kind of just is not afraid to hop into action. Which I do want to mention yet another, it wasn't any of our favorite characters, but just a huge role acted very similar to how Ronan Hawkeye does a lot was Black Widow was not afraid to just shoot first, ask questions later. And we didn't talk about her role in it, where, again, somebody without powers hopped in, saw Tony Stark struggling, was just like, eh, I don't think you're a squirrel. Um, you're definitely not, so I'm going to save you. And just kind of shoots everybody on the way out, and that's her way of figuring out who's a scroll or not before we get Reed Richards' tech, was if they bleed green, they're a scroll, and if they're red, we'll figure it out later and save them. So, um, yeah, I always love picking the the human in a superhero uh, event because I just think that that's such a cool aspect. And he is just, as far as humans go, he's a super one. I did. The the shot, one of my favorite uh, ones to see was like our favorite little parts and scenes was when you mentioned Black Widow shooting everybody and asking questions later is. When she shoots the first two people that roll up on Iron Man and they were both scrolls, and then Wolverine rolls up and she shoots him. He's like, What's that for? And he's in there bleeding. And she's like, Sorry. I went about her life. Yeah, she's Literally like actively asking, <laughs> like asking Wolverine for his secret word while she's just like actively shooting him over and over again. What was, was the great. secret word again? What was it? It was something uh, vegetable related or something like that. I forget. It was yes. something carrots. Something carrot carrots. sticks. Carrots. Carrot sticks. <laughs> oh, so good. Awesome. Well, good picks, guys. Uh, but yeah, I think a cool segment that we do with this one specifically, even though it's going to air kind of well after um, the first episode is gone, since none of us have seen it at the time of recording this, predictions possible tie-ins how do you think the eight issues from this main event that we just read could potentially develop onto either this series or upcoming series um for secret invasion on disney plus well i will say this and this is gonna this is gonna get wild um i actually was watching south park not too long ago and there is a part in south park where and excuse me but uh they believe that Kyle is running Hollywood. And in that episode, uh, there is mention of uh, of him making too many superheroes. They don't want any more. I want the exact opposite. I want new heroes because I want the MCUs. I, I mentioned this on previous episodes. I want new heroes to bring in the new Avengers, the young Avengers. I want some tie-ins. I want some team-ups. 
I want some different stuff. I mean, think about all the characters that we had in this comic series that we don't have in the MCU. You know, my personal pick of Ares. We have uh, Stature. We have uh, what other played big parts? Spider Woman. We have all these characters that have never made an MCU debut. That you know, I want to see it. Oh, and also uh, speaking of South Park tie-ins, um, did anyone recognize Eric Cartman as one of the uh, celebrities on the? Uh, uh, as they're scrolling through and talking with all the celebrities giving the scroll message. I did see Eric Cartman's face pop up there. Yes, that was, it was quite funny. Um, that that is what I, I want. Say this, if you're expecting these big developments of all these teams and the reveals of these superheroes that we're seeing in the comics to, to make their way, that is 100% not going to happen in this TV series. I feel like that's... That's what we get on the big screen. I feel like there's no way we're getting any huge reveals, except for maybe five seconds after the credits of the last episode of this series. I feel like this is going to be very Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where they maybe name drop a lot of names or, or hint at them, or there's like TV screens showing them. Um, but as far as like characters in costume or making their way on the screen, I don't see that happening. It would be dope. But I feel like they don't they don't budget that for the for the series. What are your thoughts, Joey? I I, I don't think we're gonna see like huge character reveals. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're gonna get like a Luke Cage in the MCU in in this show, for instance. Um, Spider Woman is int- is an interesting one to me because do we know does Marvel own the rights to Spider Woman or is that with Sony as well? Is that one of the Spider Man characters that is? in the because she's i mean she's kind of spider-man related but she's got a vastly different power set um i don't know how the the rights shake out there but i i would not be at all surprised if we do get some reveals of some you know smaller characters especially some of those you know shield agent type you know maybe for instance we see quake show up in the mcu she's been in agents of shield but i think that's declassified as as canon at this point um i'm i'm curious if we see the return of phil phil colson but it, agents of shields is is for sure canon right because phil colson the phil colson is in agents of shield so agents yeah. of shield was was canon at the time that it was being released as were the netflix shows however when disney plus launched they kind of did a a refresh um, not, you know, unsimilar to what Star Wars did, where they kind of just said, all right, at, as of now, only the movies count. And then everything on Disney Plus is going to be considered canon. As far as Spider-Woman goes, did you guys see that Sydney Sweeney is playing Spider-Woman in that uh, Madam Web movie that they're making? No, is, is Madam Web an MCU film or is that going to be a, a Sony-verse? Sony. It's another Sony one. But yeah, Sydney Sweeney, that chick from Euphoria, has is, is already been casted as uh, Jessica Drew's Spider-Woman. So I think that could, that could play out very, very cool. Uh, I think it's interesting that they're doing the Madam Web take of it because that's a much later Spider-Man story. So yeah, I don't know how Sony's going to tie all that in together. I assume you guys have both already seen the, the Craven trailer by now. Sure have. I, I'm actually... I, I, I don't know if we've... Uh... Did we talk about it at all? I think we we mentioned it in our little group chat, but this is their chance. This is it's Sony, right? Yes, this is, this is Sony's chance. chance. 
this is Sony's chance. Make it good. And so far, the trailer looks good. And I honestly, 100%, don't mind Sony taking the uh, the uh, darker approach to the Marvel side. Getting They're Craven, also... Yeah, getting, they have this in the works, and they're also currently developing... We know they've already, like, there's the whole Spider-Verse side of it, but they're also filming Venom 3 right now as well, too. Um, and I, they're saying during this trailer that there was, like, hints of dropping a Spider-Man into this universe as this team develops with Kraven and then bringing in uh, the Vulture with Michael Keaton and then Morbius with Jared Leto as well, too. Um, kind of having that team slowly develop after all of these. I think it, Venom dropping into that. I mean, that's a that's a version of the Sinister Six we've never seen before, but could be very cool. And then there's this Madam Web thing, which I think will develop like the Spider-Man characters of that. But they said that the spiders dropping down on Craven's face looked very, very similar to Andrew. Have you guys heard the stuff that basically they said that this is Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man world, or at least the fans are trying to cast him back into that because he never got his third movie? I mean, we got, I, I am the biggest Andrew Garfield Spider-Man truther out there. He is, I, I think I'm one of the few that has him ranked as number one in, in terms of rankings of the three Spider-Men. Uh, Andrew Garfield is my Spider-Man, essentially. And I think we got exactly what we needed from him in No Way Home. And I am of the opinion, we move on. And and I I don't think we need to bring like 37 year old Andrew Garfield back to, to portray Peter Parker again. The only reason that I would be cool with it is because if they don't and Sony does, we'll end up with essentially a fourth face to Spider-Man in our lifetime in live action and um, how they tie that in. I'm not necessarily sure, but uh, the, the kind of the inklings that they left out there was they made a big thing during no way home um, that, Andrew Garfield was very, very jealous that he never got to fight an alien and they don't have kind of protagonists for this upcoming Venom 3 movie. So that could be his chance to, he's like, oh, I want to fight an alien. So it could could be his chance to kind of have some symbiote in his life. Uh, would be interesting, like you mentioned, to see old, old Andrew Garfield going up against like Tom Hardy Venom and how that would play out. But I'm not, I'm not completely dismissing the Sony universe. I just, my my love of of a team up and all things cohesive wishes that that universe was together. And I, like you mentioned, Joey, I don't think we will ever see that. I think it would be really fun to get a live action nod to the Spider-Verse movies um, and give us one of the characters from Spider-Verse as that universe is Spider-Man. Like maybe we get Peter B. Parker, um, you know, the the guy that that kind of took Miles under his wing and in, in, into the Spider Verse and, and shows back up in the sequel, which I, I don't believe you guys have seen quite yet. But it'd be hilarious if we got like Jake Johnson showing up as Spider Man. Ooh. The only thing that I will say with uh with bringing Andrew Garfield back is I would love you know the multiverse idea. I love the multiverse idea of Marvel, and I think that. It's already canon now in, in the MCU that those Sony ones are multiverse versions of Spider-Man. So having Andrew Garfield be Spider-Man again is just another tie-in to, hey, whatever Sony's doing, we're kind of on board with a little bit. It's not ours and we're not claiming it, but it's, you know, it's Marvel. It's, it's, it's got Marvel's stamp of approval because it's a, it's a multiverse. And, you know, I think 
I think that having that aspect teaming up is, with with them is kind of kind of cool and interesting. And I'd be, uh, I was, I'd be interested. It would to be cool to kind of further tie that that nod or that wink, just to kind of yeah. have that sister universe. But yeah, with the, with the stamp of approval from the overarching Disney MCU. But yeah, so bringing it back as far as this show goes, any immediate theories that we can put here live recorded that we can't take back? I think. The next time we talk, or the time we talk about it, that I will say Nick Fury is my favorite character. I think that is a very fair uh, assumption to make going into this show. Um, I know we talked a little bit last week about you know who we thought would be a scroll. I'm still convinced Maria Hill has been a scroll this entire time since you know all the way back since Avengers, the original. Um, she's been secretly replaced. Um, but my prediction here, you know, we. We've talked a lot about the other universes and the multiverse. My prediction is that we are going to get some sort of multiversal introduction to something in this show. Um, it's going to expand on that multiverse a little bit somehow. I don't know how. I feel like it's probably just going to be a post-credits stinger. Uh, but I feel like they'll bring in some small, minor, maybe X-Men character from another universe. Uh, just as a, as a wink and a nod to be like, yeah those other universes exist. I see this. I personally see this as doing two things and that's teeing up a couple of the, the future movies, basically hyping them up through a couple of theories here. Uh, specifically, we know that Nick Fury and Captain Marvel have a huge tie in. So I feel like this is going to be kind of a direct lead up to that Marvel's movie, um, which has not got the, the greatest hype so far, but I feel like could, kind of push us in that direction as well as i'm hoping just because of the tie-ins with the comics here um that there's some form of an inner working development of what's going to happen with the thunderbolts in that movie so i think kind of seeing we've in the last couple series at the end of the series or at the end of the movie we've seen that development of that team and kind of the recruitment of other characters i hope we get some of that my personal theory that i think would be super cool is we get the reveal of a scroll that is not revealed to the public but we know of or at least hinted at that becomes a member of that thunderbolts team to show that there's something scroll related operated within the anti-hero hero community um the other one that i i hope we see some kind of a form of is we've seen hints of who's been casted at it and who might be in the upcoming Thunderbolts movie. He wasn't a huge piece of this, but he has been a big part of all these past comic events, would be us finally starting to get a live-action century. That would be a really cool, dope reveal for me that I think is, is possible with the post-credit thing, or even a mention. That's just kind of put century in this universe here. As we kind of fizzle out, I think we're seeing the tail end days of Thor and those original OG Avengers. So I think we need to put some new big power names out there. I mean, you you mentioned it, but there's no Thunderbolts in the MCU yet. I would love that in some kind of tie-in way. So, Well, there, there's the movie coming out called The Thunderbolts. Yeah, so, and and Elaine, Elaine Bennis has been secretly assembling them uh, throughout. You know, we've got what's his face that was Captain America, U.S. Um, agent, US, US agent. Um, we saw Black Widow's sister, um, I believe, Elaine, and, mm -hmm. uh, and then I forget somebody else. I, I think she's talked to at some point. She's like always been in the background, kind of. Uh, manipulating things and bringing these kind of 
you know, villainy type characters together or anti-hero type characters together. And the other members that we've seen that are going to be in that movie confirmed are um, Red Guardian, also from that Black Widow movie. Um, we see the Winter Soldier. We see Ghost from the Ant-Man movies, um, as well as, I believe, Taskmaster. So all people that we've seen previously kind of brought together here. I, I hope we get to see some more of that tie-in. And then we know that uh, General Thaddeus Ross and Sentry are both going to be in this movie, but we have not seen them on the screen yet. So I'm, I'm hoping we get some ties there. And all with right. that, also, zero to ten. Say that again? I was going to say zero to ten chances we see Harrison Ford make any sort of appearance in this TV show. Oh. Zero, one hundred. Zero. <laughs> Zero. Maybe one if you count post credit. But definitely, he, he would show up for about fifteen seconds of a post credit scene. I'm sure. Yeah. So yeah, um, as far as readings go, moving forward, we've obviously got this Wednesday's filming and of the Secret Invasion to start watching together, and I know we're all excited to hop on that now that we've got the reading in our back pocket. Um, but we've got Dark Reign and Siege both kind of tying up this this Avengers new Avengers run. Um, so go, headed straight into Dark Reign for our next comic reading um, is is going to be exactly what that last panel showed us with Norman Osborn and his team and, and the Thunderbolts and what comes of that. So um, very, very cool readings upcoming. Yet another repeat reading for me, but one that I'm quite excited for. Super excited. And with that, I think uh, the time has come to wish Craig away and uh, get to watch in some uh, secret invasion. I hope all of our listeners enjoy, and I hope we uh, have some really good things to talk about when it comes to that moving forward. Any last things before the send-off, boys? Hey, he loves you. He loves I you loved indeed. You. Enjoy, your, enjoy your coffee, enjoy your comics, and we're, we're wishing you a marvelous day. Yep, and always remember, my God has a hammer. See ya! Thank you for listening to another episode of Comics Over Coffee. Please be sure to join in again next Saturday morning for another exciting episode. If you have questions for the host or would like to be featured on an episode, please write in to comicsovercoffeepodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to my fellow co-hosts, Bowen Brady, and a very special shout-out to our artist, Emily Rich. The podcast now. starts. Podcast starts. Just shove it down my throat. And welcome to the podcast. We should start it with like the tail end of a random sentence every time. And that's why I stopped using tampons. And welcome to the podcast. Yeah, so, and that's why Rogaine doesn't actually work. And welcome to the podcast. <laughs>